What would you think this morning if I said, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm just so tired? What conclusion would you draw from that? Well, there's several possibilities, actually. If I said, I'm just really tired this morning, you might imagine that I didn't sleep well last night. And that would make a person tired in the morning, so that would be a possibility. Or maybe, possibly, you might think, well, he's been working real hard. He's been exerting himself. He's been putting forth a lot of effort. And because he's just been working so hard, he's tired. Now, those are possibilities, right? Either not sleeping well, working very hard. That would make a person tired. But what I might also mean, another possibility would be, I'm tired. I'm annoyed. I'm tired of that. Uh, I'm tired of hearing my neighbor's dog barking all night long. That might also make me tired because I can't sleep. But, but I'd be annoyed by it, right? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing that dog bark all the time. I'm tired of the road construction. Every time I want to go to Nashville, get tied up in road construction. I'm tired of that road construction. I'm annoyed by it. You get the idea? We use the terminology that way all the time. With that background in mind, let me make a statement to you, and I wonder what you think if we use the expression, God is tired. What would you think that that means when we say God is tired? It's what we want to talk about this morning, because the Scriptures actually tell us that He is tired. He's tired in a certain way, and we want to examine that this morning. Before we get into that study, we stop to thank everyone for being here. We're glad that you're here today. Appreciate your presence and your encouragement that you give us by being here. We have visitors with us, and we're grateful that you've come our way. Please come again whenever you have a chance to be here. Uh, we're trying very hard to be a church like the church you read about in the pages of the New Testament. And in order to do that, we believe we must have Bible authority for everything we do. And so we're trying to go by book, chapter, and verse, thus saith the Lord. We believe that's the only way we can be sure that we are pleasing to the Lord uh, by trying very hard to follow the pattern set forth in the New Testament. So if you have questions about what you see, what you hear taught this morning, please ask so we can try to give an answer from the Scriptures about why we're doing what we do. But we thank everyone for being here this morning. God is tired. What do you think that might mean in the case of God? Well, we could say he's not tired in the sense of being physically tired because he hasn't had good rest. He has, he's been working too hard. That is not the case with God. In Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28, it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. God doesn't get tired like that. You can't work God so hard that it wears him out. You can't make him tired by overexerting himself. That's just not possible. He's the all-powerful God of heaven. In fact, even when he had created the entire physical universe, it says that he, it doesn't say that he was tired in doing that, by the way. Notice in Genesis 2, verse 2, On the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made, Notice it says that God rested. Now, even that does not mean that God was so tired that he, gave, ah, he, just, he wore himself out. You know, he made all those planets and solar systems and galaxies out there. And they're just, I mean, the magnitude of the physical universe is just incredible. And God, really, he almost wore himself clear out. Making it, no, that's not what it's saying here. The word rested here is used in the sense of ceased from. On the seventh day, God ceased from the work which he had made. He was finished. He had completed it. 
and he didn't make any more thereafter. And so, the expression, God is tired, does not mean he's physically exhausted. He's not a physical being, right? It doesn't mean that he's worn himself out by doing too much work. You can't do that to God, the all-powerful, the almighty God. So, clearly here, when we use the expression, God is tired, it means that there are some things that, are, that annoy him. He, he's, he's wearied by certain things. And we're going to look at, at some texts this morning that actually describe that. We've got four Bible texts that tell us that God is tired or weary, but it's always in the sense of he's annoyed by, he, he's perturbed by certain things. He's tired of those things. Uh, and so let's just show you where those places are. First of all, we read in the Scriptures that God is tired of those who say that evil is good. Now, uh, think about that from Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. Ye have wearied me, the Lord. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? Well, here's the expression that we're searching for in our study this morning. Ye have wearied the Lord. Um, another English translation of it actually says, You have tired the Lord out with your talk. But you ask, how have we tired Him? By saying, The Lord Almighty thinks all evildoers are good. In fact, He likes them. And so, the idea here is, You have just worn Him out by doing what He doesn't approve of, and that is by saying that evil is good. Uh, these people in the time of Malachi, it wasn't just that they were doing bad things. Uh, it was that when they were asked about them, they denied and said, we haven't done anything bad. Look in chapter 1, verse 7, beginning. You offer polluted bread on mine altar, and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? And then again in verse 8, and you offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? But you said... Behold, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn and lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? And so, it wasn't enough that they were just doing evil things. Uh, they even would ask, well, what's wrong with that? They would say, evil is good. And God said he was tired of that. He was tired of them saying evil was good. You think we have any examples of that in our world today? Oh, we got plenty of examples of that, don't we? Um, we think about all the Im the immorality that exists in our present world, and in fact, we're so callous to the immorality of our present world that that we even want to be entertained by looking at dirty movies and filthy TV shows. And then, uh, pretty often, it seems like they come around to award those who make movies and television shows. Who gets the awards? Those who offer the most corrupt forms of entertainment are the ones who are being awarded for their work. That's good, we're being told. No, God says that's evil. But men are saying evil is good. That makes God tired. God's tired of that sort of thing. Or what about uh, even among some people who proclaim themselves to be religious people, uh, we hear about certain religious groups now approving of homosexuality and even ordaining priests in their churches who are openly, actively homosexual. And that's good, we're told. That's supposed to be a good thing. Aren't they doing exactly this? They say evil is good when they do that? 
But what about, as we so often comment about the horrible practice of abortion, uh, the millions of unborn babies that have been slaughtered through abortion. And yet we have politicians who want to say that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Just earlier today on the news, we heard something about $500 million a year of U.S. taxpayers' dollars are going to fund abortions in America. That's good. That's good, they say. Aren't they doing this exactly? They're calling evil good? We can't have anything to do with that. We can't be supportive of that in any way. We're in an election year. We're going to be electing a new president and lots of other people as well. But I just urge all Christians to take into account, if you vote for someone who supports uh, abortion or homosexuality, then you're joining with those who say evil is good. And that makes God tired. He's tired of that. We should be warned. That wearies him. It wears him out, calling evil good. Plenty of other examples we could cite, but those are just some that come quickly to mind. God is also tired of what we might identify as vain religion. You know the word vain means worthless or good for nothing. And in the text that was read for us earlier from Isaiah chapter 1, we see that very sort of thing. In Isaiah chapter 1, beginning verse 11, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Now get that, they were making sacrifices, right? So they were practicing religion. Right? They were doing religious deeds. What is the purpose? To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot I cannot away with, it is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble to me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Well, here's the phrase that we were looking for. Paul, uh, the, uh, the Lord rather says through the prophet Isaiah, I am weary to bear them. God's tired. That's the same expression, right? He's weary. He's tired. What's he tired about? These people were practicing religion, right? He, in fact, he identifies some of the religious deeds that they were involved in doing. And yet he still said, I'm tired of that. I've grown weary of it. What were the things that were making it so? That their religion was in vain, good for nothing, and God was tired of it. Well, first of all, they were doing things that, that weren't authorized. He said, who hath required this at your hand? Some of the things that they were doing weren't authorized by him, hadn't been commanded or instructed. Uh, they were inventing their own religious practice. Again, I would argue that that has sure application to the religious world today because the vast majority of the religious world today is, is engaged in worship that God hasn't authorized. And the very question could be asked, who has required this at your hand? Who told you to do that that way? Not authorized. God gets tired of that. And he says that worship is vain, where the worship is not based upon what he has instructed. The other thing that was a big problem with the people of this day. Now, again, I want to emphasize to you, because he even enumerated there a lot of the religious things they were doing, but he said, I'm tired of them. Well, they were doing things that he had never asked them to do, unauthorized. But also in the context of the book of Isaiah, we see they had a big problem that what they were doing, they also weren't doing sincerely from the heart. 
In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draweth near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught uh, by the precept of men. Another thing that Isaiah said was a problem was these people weren't sincere in their worship. It wasn't from the heart. They were doing things that weren't authorized, and what they were doing, they weren't doing sincerely or genuinely. It wasn't from the heart. And God was tired of them, and he called their worship vain, worthless, good for nothing. Now, that was a real problem, obviously, uh, in, in the day of Isaiah. And apparently, it was also a big problem in the time of Jesus, because Jesus actually quoted that statement from Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, this people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And so we see that Jesus quoted Isaiah. It was a problem. Now remember, Isaiah was 700 years before Jesus. It was a problem. People were doing unauthorized things and they weren't doing them sincerely. 700 years before Jesus, that was a problem. When Jesus was here, that was a problem because Jesus quoted that and applied it to the people of his day. You think it's not also still a problem for us? I think clearly so. And, and, and so we've got to be very careful that our religion is not vain. Uh, in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We've got to be doing the right things in truth, but they also have to be from the heart, sincerely, in spirit. God must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Those two things are necessary, always have been, and still are, or else our worship is vain and God's tired of hearing about it. Another thing that we learn when we investigate things that make God tired is God is tired of his own children who will not serve him faithfully. Look again in Isaiah. And in chapter 43, verse 24, Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast made me to serve with thy sins, thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. Notice again, here's our expression. We're just trying to follow this in places where it's used because we want to know what makes God tired. And here again, he's talking to his own people. He's not talking to the pagan world, right? He's talking to his own people, the children of Israel. And he says, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the things that you're doing. Uh, you continue in your sins. And you've wearied me with your iniquities. Uh, they weren't fulfilling their spiritual duties to him. Uh, they weren't making the sacrifices that were expected of them. Remember, under that Old Testament system, there were a regimented order of sacrifices that were to be made. They were obligated. They were required to do that. Uh, and they weren't. And so they weren't being faithful to him in that regard. For them, it was literal sacrifices they were supposed to be making. For us, our sacrifices are to be spiritual sacrifices to the Lord but if we're not making our sacrifices to him in the sense of spiritually serving him faithfully as he expects us to do, then understand that God gets tired of that. He was then, and he is now. We're reminded of Revelation 2, verse 10, which says simply, Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. That's our requirement. That's what we need to be doing, or else God grows tired of us. If we're not serving him faithfully, Think about that for a minute. If you're a child of God and you haven't been faithfully fulfilling His will in your life, imagine the bad circumstance that you're in that the God of heaven looks on you and says, you wear me out. I'm tired of you. 
I'm weary of the things that you're doing. You want to be in that situation? I, I, I hope you agree with me. That's a frightening thing to contemplate. That the God of heaven looks on you and says, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of what you're doing. You wear me out. I'm weary. That could be a real thing to consider, certainly. God is weary of his own children who will not serve him faithfully. So, he's tired of those who call evil good. Lots of people doing that today. He's tired of vain religion. Not authorized, not from the heart. A lot of people doing that today. He's tired of his own children who don't serve him faithfully. And unfortunately, there's some of his own people today who are not serving him faithfully. Finally, let me give you one more suggestion of where this expression is used by God. And I think I, I think I found them all. You may find another one or two. But if you do, let me know. But I think the, these were the four I found. Wherein God is described as being tired or weary. He's tired of the wicked. And he promises destruction for those who will not repent. Look in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 6. Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. Remember God's dealings with his people all through the Old Testament. Uh, he gave them instruction. We, we remember and we believe absolutely that when God gave them commands and instruction, it was for their good. He wasn't trying to be mean or overbearing. He was actually giving them instructions to protect them from harm. But repeatedly they would fall away. Uh, God would allow them to be oppressed. They would cry out for help. He would send a deliverer. That, that story is repeated again and again and again throughout the Old Testament history. But here, when we get to Jeremiah, God's just about done with that. He says, I'm weary with repenting. Uh, and we know that Jeremiah was prophesying in the final days before God's people were carried away. He said, I'm just tired of it. I've grown weary uh, of, of wickedness. And, and destruction is coming, and I'm not going to turn back from it this time. That was the message of Jeremiah. What about us? Well, God is still the same God. We serve the same God of heaven. Wickedness, and those who practice wickedness, they, they wear him out. He's tired of that. And just as he, he punished his people of old, uh, he's going to send destruction and punishment on people today. I think there are a lot of people who say, oh yeah, well, that, that's not about to happen. I'm not worried about that. There's always been people of that mindset. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Some said he was. Some were saying, ah, God's not going to carry out his promise in regards to punishing wickedness. Peter says, well, no, the Lord's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, so get what he's saying. The Lord hasn't forgot his promise. And in this sense, the promise is that of punishment for the wicked. The Lord hasn't forgot his promise. He's not slack concerning his promises. He's just long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to be, to be lost. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. But then the text goes on there in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. It will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Don't ever think that God is going to forever tolerate wickedness. He never has, and he won't with us either. Because that sort of thing just wearies him. It wears him out. It makes him tired. All right, now, what's the importance of our study this morning? Well, think about that for a minute. I need to know. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with the eternal God of heaven, right? 
the creator of all uh, the physical universe, uh, the almighty, eternal God of heaven, I don't want to be on his bad side, right? Uh, If there's something that I'm doing that annoys him, if there's something that I do that makes him tired or weary, I'd want to know about that, right? Well, the Scriptures tell us what some of those things are. What would be the logical, reasonable response to that? Uh, I I I don't want to do any of those things. And if I have been doing any of those things, I need to immediately stop doing them, right? Because I don't want to be on God's bad side. I told you earlier, you know, we might use the expression, I'm tired of hearing my neighbor's dog bark. But you know what? My neighbor doesn't care, you know. He doesn't care if I'm annoyed that his dog barked because I don't have any power over him. And so he can leave his dog out there barking all night long long if he wants to. I don't have any power over him. And so he's not worried if something that's happening at his house is annoying me at my house. That doesn't bother him, right? Because I have no power. But in this sense, God has ultimate power, right? He has He has the power of eternal judgment over me. I better, I very well better be concerned about what wearies him. And if I'm doing any of those things, I need to stop immediately to be right with him. And so, God is tired. Uh, I went the wrong way. God is tired. We need to understand what makes him tired and avoid those things at all costs. Thanks for listening to what we've had to say this morning. hope it's been helpful and an encouragement to all of us to be living lives of faithful service to God. If you're a Christian already, uh, but you have not been faithful to the Lord, understand that one of the points we were making this morning is he's not happy about that. He's tired of his own children who won't serve him faithfully. And if you're in that category, we urge you to get right with God through repentance, confession, and prayer. Uh, If your sins are public in nature and need a public confession, if we can pray with you, for you, we'd be glad to help in that way. Let us know. For those who are not yet Christians this morning, think about your relationship with God that's not there really because you haven't obeyed the gospel. Uh, And you need to do that. It's a decision you need to make without delay. Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus and be baptized for remission of sins. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Oh, sweet, 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 sweet,